Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brian, and this is take two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Brian and I just had a lovely conversation. It was it was the most fascinating thing you've ever heard on the Bistro, and somebody, either me or Ryan, I'm not going to mention who, it wasn't me, uh, forgot to press record. Well... Yeah, that's what happened. But we, we, we're going to talk about this very briefly is okay. Brian sent me an article that we were talking about, <laughs> about how workwear is becoming yes. very in fashion. And one of those brands that has taken the young world by storm is Carhartt. Yes. And we, if, if you've been a longtime listener, you know that I would make fun of Ryan because he was where he would wear the same thing every day. And it, it was, was not the same thing. It was different, but I find a shirt I like and I buy different colors and all that stuff. But Brian, yeah, they look apparently very his old eyes can't distinguish colors very well and couldn't tell that I was wearing different shirts. But anyway, so Carhartt is a yeah. hit brand, so I, I'm this, a trendsetter. In this article, it talks about this. It talks about, you know, that even when people are not using it for work, they want to look like they've been working. So, so I thought you'd find are that you, interesting. Is that like a backhanded comment to me? Like, no, I wear it to I, I think you wear it legitimately. I've seen you split wood. I've seen you... Yeah. I've I'm, seen you smoke uh, brisket. I've seen you... <laughs> If you've done these uh, things, seen, you're allowed to work our heart. I've actually seen, I think I've seen your wife do more yard work than I've seen you do. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying, usually when I'm over there, you're entertaining me. I understand this, so. That's full-time job. Anyway, uh, <laughs> before we get started here, we're, yeah. we're finishing up our first job. We'd like to thank, we got a new patron yes. this week. Yes. Kevin. Sweet, sweet Kevin. Welcome, as I said in my text message to him. Welcome to the fold, and I just yes. want to give you a shout out right now. Right, you said he was he was a huge sponsor. That's what you he said. He was one of our <laughs> biggest fans. So that's what I said. Anyway, we're thank you, thank Kevin. you Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you to all of our uh, those who Patreons. have con- patrons who have contributed to us. Patrons. Some that have contributed to us that aren't patrons, but have contributed in the past. Right. We want to say thank you to all of you. Yep. And so, uh, with all that said, let's get into this wrapping okay. up. Uh, first oh, John here. Yeah, you told us literature. you're not going to talk about John again here for a long time, but this has been really good. Probably not. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but it's been really good. So, Brian, to take us through. We've talked about so, the test of righteousness in our test first of love, episode, right? And the test and, of love. And so, wh- how are we wrapping this up today? Well, the whole point of First John, uh, I've talked about, is an idea of confidence. If we think about the Gospel of John as engendering belief, in other words, I've written these things. So this is uh, John chapter twenty, verses thirty through thirty-one. I've written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and by believing may have life in His name. So it's basically trying to bring someone to faith. That was the point of the Gospel of John. So they include things like um, the miracles, that this what John calls the signs. Um, you, you have um, different um, uh, fulfilled prophecy, it, all kinds of different ways that he he talks about this. But then in First John, they're dealing with the issue of false teachers, and so the problem is there's other things that have been being said. And so what John is trying to do in the in, in the book of First John is he's trying to help people be confident in their faith. In, in other words, even though you may have heard other things, you need to know that you have been taught the truth and that you're firm in the truth. And and so. 
I talked about this older book that has these tests of life is what he calls them. That was what he called the, the, the book that he wrote, Robert Law, years and years ago. It was a lecture first, and then, and then he wrote this book. But um, test of righteousness, test of love, and what he calls test of faith is what I've called the test of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, just, just talking a little bit about that. We're going to talk about that today. And then I added the test of the spirit. Uh, and, and here's the whole point of this is that the, the book of first John is not really, so we've not been taking it in order. Uh, it doesn't deal with all these topics in an, in an orderly way, but it kind of intersperses them throughout. And the other interesting thing to me, and I think we'll see this in a couple of examples I'll give you today. The interesting thing is that John shows us the way that these four things relate to one another. So obedience and love, for example, which you see even in the Gospel of John, but uh, also this idea of righteousness and faith. And you know, and we're going to see some of that today. I think it'll, it'll be an interesting thing. Great. So, so test of faith or test of belief, as I like to call it, and then the test of the Spirit. So I thought we would start. Instead of doing these in order, I thought we'd start with First uh, John chapter five. Just read verse oh. one for me there, if you don't mind doing that. This is First John chapter five, and verse one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Okay, so so you see two things going on here in, in a sense. So it says anyone who believes is born of God, and that's why I prefer belief over the test of belief over the test of faith. It's not talking about faith in the sense of a body of doctrine here as much as it is if you are believing then this shows that you are born of God uh, if you believe in Jesus. Now, he's going to get more specific, uh, and in fact, he's going to say there are some very crucial things to believe, as we'll see later in the same chapter. Uh, But he's saying if you believe you've been born of God, and then you also love God and you love the Son. Um, I'm going to go ahead and mention this now before we look at this next section, which is uh, 1 John 5, 10 through 13. I want you to read that next, if you would. Yeah, can I ask you about this real yeah. quick? Well, let me, let me say one thing okay. while, I'm, while I'm still thinking about it so yeah. I don't forget it. Um, but you got to remember when when he's writing this, not only do we have these false teachers, but it's, it's how I say this, he's writing in a context where there are those who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they don't believe that he is the one who's been sent. And you see examples of this throughout the Gospel of John. Um, you see um, some of the religious leaders who failed to believe, and, and Jesus criticizes them for that. You know, you should, if you were really a follower of Moses, you would you would hear my voice. You would understand that I'm the one that's been promised. Um, so there are those who don't believe, and so this idea of if you believe, then you're a child of God. Now, what were you going to ask about? Well, I was just going to say, like, whoever loves the Father loves his child as well. Yeah. It mm-hmm. seems like those kind of go, and so is that God the Father and God the Son? Yes, that's the way I would understand that you're saying you're saying loves uh well i'm just saying like from a jewish mm, context there would be those who love the father but have not recognized the son yet. exactly and i think that's really the you know that's part of what we have going on now i've said the false teaching also has this kind of greek philosophical element to it but i think john particularly when he's talking about those who believe and those who disbelieve uh, which again goes back you know i've said before thomas is not the doubter he's the disbeliever (laughs) Right, he fails to believe based on the testimony of of those who said that they've seen Jesus risen from the dead, um, and, and so so, it's a, so you doesn't you don't see this as like a causal statement. Like if they love the Father, then they automatically love the Son. It's kind of saying like they love the Father and they love the Son. I I, I see it as how do I say this? Yeah, if you so so. If you love the father, then you're going to love the child. You're going to, you're going to love the one who has this relationship with him, I think, is, is the idea. Uh, and so um, 
Jesus says a very similar thing. I'm trying to remember if it's if it's the Gospel of John chapter five or chapter eight. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he says um, uh, that. Oh, it's chapter eight. If you um, uh, if you listen to me, or if you listen to the Father, you should listen to me as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, and basically, it's saying that that connection that they have, it doesn't make sense for you to say, "Oh, all about I'm all about God the Father. Want nothing to do with Jesus." Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make any sense because they are, they are both the creator God, right? They right. they are in that in that close relationship, and, and therefore you know that that very intimate relationship, and therefore it doesn't make sense to say one and not the other is is the way that I would take it. In the same okay. way, now he says something similar about um, those who are in the image of God, as we saw when we talked about the test of love, mm-hmm. how can you say you love God whom you've not seen and yet hate your brother whom you have seen? You know, the, these who are created in his image that, that, that doesn't compute basically. That doesn't make gotcha. sense is, is the way I would see this. Okay. All right. Well, I just, it was just yeah, kind of an question. odd turn of phrase in there. Yeah. Good question. Now, look down in verses 10 through 13. Then this, this, this is really the last statement he makes about, uh, belief, but I think it's a good. Uh, I think it's a good one to understand what I mean when I talk about this test of faith. Yeah. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out. To, whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. Okay, stop just there for a minute, and let's let's talk about testimony. You know, I always like to talk about testimony. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Thomas just a minute ago, and that's really what Jesus rebukes him for. Um, it, it's not, it's not simply a matter of doubt. It's that he has been, well, he, here's what he says. He says to Thomas, stop disbelieving and believe. You might remember what Thomas says, unless I can thrust my hand in his side, unless I can put my fingers in the nail prints in his hand, uh, I will never believe. He says, and, and uses an emphatic form. I will never believe is what he says there. And, um, I always stop at that point when you think about the story of Thomas and I ask, well, what, how could he have believed? What, why should he have believed? Mm-hmm. And it's on the basis of the testimony of his fellow disciples, because you might remember at that point, Thomas was absent when Jesus appeared to them. Right. right? And so you have the 10 Judas is hanging around someplace <laughs> and <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Thomas is is it's interesting in the this is a narrative and this actually we've gone on a completely different subject here but it's interesting in the narrative because the way it describes it is Thomas is the only one who is not behind locked doors for fear of the Jews hmm. which which actually makes him kind of the brave one right right he's the only one of the of the remaining 11 who who is not behind locked door for fear of the Jews and then it says this that uh, you know so Jesus appears to these ten, and then they tell him, "Thomas, we've seen the Lord." And that's when he says, "Nah, I will never believe." Okay. Now the the point I make is this: is these are these are not just casual acquaintances of his. <laughs> these are guys that he has been hanging around with and has, you know, you know they they are fellow disciples of the same rabbi. And right. they have done, as we like to say in church today, they have done life together, right? <laughs> yes. um, they've done life together for a period of time. So he knows these people, right? He, it's, he, it's a small group. It's a small group. 
<laughs> he knows everything about them, right? Uh-huh. And, 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 but I mean, it's different a small group. This isn't an hour once yeah. a week. This is they're, they're eating meals together. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's true fellowship. It's really what we're right. as what we talked about last uh, last time. We're created for this. But but here's here's the thing: is okay. One of them comes to him and says, "I've seen the risen Lord." Okay. Resurrection it doesn't happen a lot, right? And, and, and <laughs> kind of saw, a new, it's kind of a new thing. It, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of an un, unusual thing. He saw Jesus die. Okay, then two of his friends come to him, and they both say, "We saw the Lord." Okay, and, and then another one, three of them come to him and say, "Now, according to the law, even the testimony two. of two, the testimony of two or three witnesses is irrefutable." And so, and these are not, again, these are not just random people that have come up to him on the street and said, I saw a unicorn, right? This, these are, these are three of his closest friends that he knows well, intimately, who has said to him, we saw our master risen from the dead. And then you multiply that and you think there are seven more who are, who are sharing with that in the testimony. Now, now there's either one of two things happening. He's getting punked. Either, either they are all colluding in order to pl- pl- play the, the, the worst taste pa- practical joke in the history of the universe. Right? <laughs> right. Yes. Or they're telling him what they saw. Right. And, and so that is, that is testimony that, that is the base is a solid basis for belief. Right. Mm-hmm. Now here's the interesting thing. And we really need to do an episode on this one of these days if we haven't already. I can't remember if we have or not. That's exactly the point where where John turns aside to the believer after after finally John, Thomas says, "Oh my Lord, my God, I, I believe you." John then turns to the reader and he says, "I've written these things so that you may believe." Right. In other mm-hmm. words, here's the testimony. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond like Thomas? And say, I will never believe, or are you going to believe the basis of the testimony, right? Which, again, I think is kind of the, the point of the whole Gospel of John. Well, here we have, <laughs> let's get back to First John. Read uh-huh. that first verse of verse verse 10 again. First John chapter 5, verse 10. Whoever believes and the Son of God accepts this testimony. Okay, so there you go. You, you get what I'm saying? The testimony that has been given, if you accept it, what happens is is, is faith. Okay, so go ahead and read the rest of this. Then he's talking Who, about that you, you should have confidence in your in your yeah. faith. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony: God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So you, you see, what I'm saying he's saying very clearly that. Uh, even God himself has testified that this is his son. So to fail to believe in him, <laughs> right, is to basically, um, th- this is the way I often describe the, the fall. It's essentially to repeat the error of the garden where they rejected the creator of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is the giver of eternal life. And so to reject him is to reject life. Um, that's that's John's equation here of, of how he would say it. Uh, as we saw elsewhere, if you if you uh, obey him, you've moved from death to life, right? You, you you've come out of that curse. Um, but if you f- fail to believe even the testimony of God the Father, um, then you uh, uh, you know you, you you've rejected him, uh, rejected the giver of life, and you've rejected eternal life. 
So any other questions on that or comments on, uh, on I that? Don't, no, I don't, I don't okay. think so. So let's go back and look at two other things about this test of life earlier. I, those are the clear. So I wanted to go there first. Go back to First John chapter 2, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is verses 21 um, through 23. I may, I may yeah. try to read this if I can get it. Or you, gonna, you want to read it. it? Okay, go ahead. Uh, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So again, remember, in the Gospel of John, and in fact, you can read it this way, John chapter 20, verse 30, uh, I've written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, or actually it's been suggested, given the way that, that Greek grammar works, it would be more more appropriate to say that the Christ is Jesus. In other words, this this awaited Messiah is none other than Jesus of Nazareth, this one that we've we've lived with and we know who, who made his dwelling among us. So the Christ is Jesus. And this is the same thing it says here. Um, then if if you believe um, that that uh, Jesus is the Christ. If you believe that you know the the Messiah, Jesus is this this promised Messiah, uh, then you are um, you know with the Father. If you reject Him, you've rejected the Father. And in fact, it says then, and here here's where this word comes from. You are if you reject this belief, what are you? The Antichrist. You're Antichrist. Now, <laughs> no, you're the Antichrist. The, the, is that what it says? <laughs> it's a, well, it says the, the. So you're Antichrist. Anyone who rejects Christ is anti Christ, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the word means. Um, and again, we've we've made this. We've talked about this before. The word Antichrist never occurs in the gospel or in the Book of Revelation. Uh, only two books in the entire New Testament where we see this word Antichrist is here and in Third uh, John, where it talks about these false teachers that have come out, gone out from among us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all it's talking about are those who are against Christ. They're they're essentially teaching that uh, you know against this belief, against this this test of faith. So if this is shaking your quote unquote faith, then uh, the 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 idea is that. If you continue to believe that he is the Christ, then you can have confidence that you're you're believing the truth. This truth is in you, uh, if that's the case. Yeah. What what I think is interesting here, and in the, the end of twenty three, you know, I had that question before, where it's like uh, in five, uh, one, who loves the father, loves his child as yes. well. You know, whoever acknowledges son has the father also. It's exactly. kind of the inverse of it. Whoever mm-hmm. you know, whoever loves the father loves the yeah. son. Whoever acknowledges the son. Yeah. Has the father also? It's kind of the two yeah. two pairings there. Bookends. Absolutely. That. Yeah. You show your you're showing your allegiance to use that word. You're showing your allegiance to the father by accepting the one that he sent, the 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 Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, by accepting the son, it, you're accepting the father. Exactly. Like it's it's exactly. this two way street. Mm-hmm. They they go together. You can't have one without the other. That's that's the whole point of this. And and uh, you know again, those who are who are teaching and rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, have missed the boat. Uh, it, it just occurred to me, it reminds me of uh, the day of Pentecost, Peter's sermon there, you might remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one whom you uh, whom you have crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. You know, so you've, you, he, he, sent, he sent the Christ to you and you took him and killed him. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that puts you in a in a bad position with the creator of the universe. So. Right. Yeah. It's a kind of a hot topic right then in Jerusalem still. Exactly. And that's that's where it says that they're they're cut to, their consciousness is, is is cut. They're cut to the heart. And they say, What shall we do then? You know, they recognize that they they have failed. Uh, and so that's where he says, repent uh, and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. So, all right. Anything else on the, the no, test I, of faith then? Was there one other passage I had? Yeah, there's one other short passage here. Yeah. That, uh, three, just 323 if you, if you have that. Yeah, got that here. And then we're going to stay in chapter 3, I yeah, think. And this yeah. is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Okay, so there's an example of that idea of the test of faith, and we talked about the test of love. How, how, are, how do you know that you're in Christ if you are loving the way that that God loves us? Uh, and so this is what he says in verse 23, kind of mixing these two together, to believe and to love one another and in fact, even as he commanded us, you could say that's the test of righteousness, that we're being obedient. Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're following his his commands. But um, we kind of got I, a threefold thing there. We believe in Jesus, you know, loving our <clears throat> loving each other. And then the command, it's like an obedience piece of it as well. Exactly. We kind of got the three three prongs here. And that was my point. I think that's why John doesn't just lay this out the way that we would. Uh, and the powerful thing about it is when you recognize that these are the major themes, you begin to see the way that they play off of one another and the way that he weaves them together, so to speak, so that we get this um, kind of bigger picture of what's going on there. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, let's go ahead. Since we're there in 23, that, that's the last thing I want to say about the test of faith, unless you have other other things. We could come back to it if you want, but is there anything no, else you I, want to just talk the, about? No, the test, test of, of faith is believing in the mm-hmm. Son and in God, you know, like, and it's it goes back and forth and how it manifests. You know, we you can kind see, of talk about Yeah, we could see standing firm in that belief, basically, not not allowing false teaching to, to cause us to waver. Um mm-hmm. And again, remember, this is written in a context where there would have been people still who who did not believe, like we have today, people who do not believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Uh, and so, well, how can you know that you're connected to God because you believe in the one that He sent? Uh, you you accept the Christ that He He has um, He has sent to us. Yeah. So so the final test is this test of the Spirit, and and I want to start here. Because it goes right into this in verse 24, I believe. Uh, I'm going to read verses 23 and 24 again because we this idea of obeying commands has to do with righteousness, right? The test mm-hmm. of righteousness. So he says, this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. There's the faith. To love one another as he commanded us. So love and, and righteousness. And then in verse 24 says, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. Okay. So if you are obedient, again, how do I have confidence? You know, how can I know? How can I have assurance might be the other word we would use for this. How can I have assurance that I am right with God? Well, are you? if you're living in him, then he is also living in us. And this is where we make this transition then to the, to the test of the spirit. Uh, how does God live among us and in us? It is through his Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises this. If you look, again, we talked about the, close connection between the upper room discourse in the gospel of John and first John, you see it there, this promise of the spirit. I will not leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send another 
paraclete. Uh, Paracletos is the word there. I'm going to send another comforter or counselor. Another one, uh, advocate would be a way to say someone who's going to speak on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is the spirit. Um, and, and, you know, he talks about that he will be in you. He'll be among you. Um, and so it says, goes on here, the end of t- verse 24, this is the very end of First uh, John chapter 3, says, and this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So the fact that you can see the, the work of the spirit in our lives is a way that we can have confidence um, that we are we are in him. So this goes into that next test. Now, I say that it goes on. He, he You know, chapter 3 transitions to chapter 4 there. But in a way, because that's the end of chapter three, in the way, I think that last sentence, you know, remember the chapters and verses are not not original in the not text. Original, right, yeah. And so I think at the end of verse uh, chapter three, verse 24, where he says, how do we know that God lives in us? We know by the spirit that he gave us. That's the beginning of then this section where he talks about the spirit, uh, where we see these in the in the first six verses here of first uh, John chapter four. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that then. This is an interesting um, passage that lots of things have been thought about and, I was, and, I was and talked say, about. Yeah. So he, he says, dear friends, uh, one of the ways that he, he refers to, to his readers, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's what we were talking about. That's that's really the whole reason that he's written First John. I think um, we saw that in Second and Third John as well. There are there are false teachers, so they're not to they're, you're not to help the false teachers. There are other teachers that you need to help. How do right. I know the difference? Well, it, here's what he says: There are false teachers who've gone out into the world. This is how. You can recognize the spirit of God. Okay. So it's kind of like, hey, guys, write this down. Here's the test of the spirit. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So. To be antichrist is to deny that Jesus came in the flesh. Uh, we talked about this idea of docetism that mm-hmm. that believes that Jesus only appeared to be human; he was not fully human. Uh, and so, so this is part of what I think this belief is is you know arguing against. The other part is what we just saw the the test of faith: those who don't believe that Jesus e- even is the Christ or the one that's been sent sent from God. So, how do you know the Spirit's living in you? Does, does the Spirit testify to the truth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? That's how you can have confidence um, that that you're you're in right standing with god we could say thoughts on that um yeah i mean you talked about there's been a lot written about this i mean so (laughs) you know when we think about the word the spirits you know we just to think of uh, this is just people you know like when we think of testing the spirits you know like is it yeah how how do we how would you interpret that i think what we see in the in the new testament um and I, I'm just trying to think how I would say this in the Old Testament as well. But um, so, who was it that deceived Adam and Eve in the beginning? The Satan. <laughs> right. It was. It was the serpent. I think who who is uh, at least according to the Book of Revelation, none other than than the deceiver. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, we see these examples of spirits uh, that that are. Dece- I mean, deceiving is the is the is the problem. Um, I'm preaching through Colossians right now, and so the way that Paul says it there, and so I'm saying this is a consistent teaching in Scripture. I think this isn't just here. What Paul says um, in that place is the that there are those who have not accepted this message because the God of this age has blinded them so that they cannot see the truth. And uh, so, so I think Paul understands, and I think John understands, and I think Jesus taught this, that, that there are those who are going to be deceived, but, but the ones who are being deceived, there's, there is a spiritual force at work behind that. <coughs> They're being, uh, being deceived even as Adam and Eve were in the beginning by these, this evil, evil spiritual force. And we don't talk about a lot. You know, we don't like to think about a lot. I mean, some people do. Some people talk a lot about this idea of spiritual warfare. Right. Uh, our group, uh, our, our friends often don't talk about it. But there, I think there is a spiritual battle at, at, at work uh, around us. And uh, so one of, the, one of the parts of this, I think, is this idea that, that the spirit of the Antichrist which again is I don't think talking about any one specific historical figure, but it is any of those who are opposed to the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he, he notice I said he says you've heard his coming and now is even in in the world already. You know don't don't think this is just a future thing. John is saying back in the first century, the the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Uh, that there are already those who are working against uh, what Christ stands for, and, so, and I think we. Yeah, I think so we see, see that in our world today. I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm no. To so, say. do you see this as spiritual warfare manifested in people, not as in something that's just a supernatural? Or, yeah, it, it uh, always it it always is manifested in that way. Right. Well, um, I'm just saying. You know, when he says, "Do not believe every spirit," you right. know, I mean, do, is are we saying like someone who someone who comes to you that is. It's like just test everyone that comes to you that you you don't know the, the things that they're saying right yeah. that the, there could and be the, deception and what the, the message are coming with yeah even Jesus so so let's think about the positive side of this Jesus says to, to his disciples the upper room discourse again close connection between upper room discourse in here he says to the disciples when you're in court don't worry about what you're going to say right because the spirit of God will teach you what to say. Um, and, and so the the spirit of God we trust works within us and um, helps us to appropriately speak on behalf of God. Particularly, I think this is true of the apostles. I mean, that's that's who Jesus is talking to there. But I think when we speak, I think we have to be careful, <laughs> even even as those who. Um, who given themselves to study and, and and we have to have humility. That's the, you know, some will say the first tool uh, when we come to approach the scripture, we have to have a sense of humility, uh, when, especially when you're saying, this is what I believe God is saying to us. We, 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 we're very careful in how we say that. I, I, at least I think we should be, but even then on a positive side, we believe that the spirit is, is enabling us and, and, training us and teaching us to speak truth, right? We call him the spirit of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the names by which uh, the Holy Spirit is known. And and so, so on the other hand, 
the opposite of spirit of the truth is essentially the spirit, spirit of, of the deceiver of the deceiver or the antichrist you know the one who's against christ uh spirit of christ spirit of antichrist you know so so yes i i guess what i'm saying is there's a spiritual battle at work and yeah it manifests itself in, in individuals the reason i think it's important to think of it that way <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna say so that we don't demonize people right which is, was kind of a funny way to put it right but we want to demonize the demon not the spirit that, not demonize the person that's the point it it's it, it's it's with a sense of to, to say that a person is deceived right uh is is then it, it's a sense of how to say this tragedy that we we view that not not in, in hatred, not as though they are the enemy, mm-hmm. but again, we are like, okay, how can how can we speak truth into this person's life? Um, and and it goes along with the test of love, I think, in in that. Uh, yeah, I think it's really hard. I, I'm just trying to think through this. You know, we we've talked about, sure. you know, we sometimes live in a modern world where we don't think of our lives being porous. Sometimes as influenced right. by the spiritual realm, exactly. Um, and we've talked about uh, Dr. Chad Ragsdale talked about that a little bit, yeah. like that we live in this way that we're like it's only us versus you know it's right. we, we, we're in Christ and we have the Spirit, but we also, as you talked about, like don't worry he about does, what you're going to say in court. The Spirit's going to speak yeah. through he, you. He doesn't really affect our lives. <laughs> he doesn't really affect our lives. Right. And so to think about also the inverse of that is true as well. And so to think yep. of the Spirit, I think is a really interesting thing that those who seem to be against the spirit of you know that the, they yeah. are manifesting antichrist yes. that is that they're they have a they have a spirit in them as well there's a spiritual element and i will say i think there are times um you know and we've talked about this again the 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 in a, in a western as we often will say western developed world perspective we don't have much room for the spiritual realm we've figured it all out right mm-hmm. um and I'm saying that tongue in cheek, right? You know, we we've, we've rationalized it all, um, but there are places where I have been, uh, and, and one of those is isn't in, 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 you know not to just talk about this one place, but in Haiti, um, there is just a different. I, I've seen things there, and there are things that you experience that are just different because there is is a there are those who would call on the spirits <clears throat> on a regular basis in order to give themselves power, in order to give themselves the things that they need. Uh, and so the Christians in those places have have a much stronger sense of the spiritual realm than I would say we often do. Now, that doesn't mean that we aren't still affected. And, and in fact, it's in some sometimes subtle ways. As I mentioned, greed, for example, or... Um, you know the 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 way that we cling to power and, and the way that we, uh, you know, we try to promote ourselves. Sometimes maybe those must may be just as much idolatry as bowing our knee to an idol. Um, but but there are places I think where where this the for lack of a better term, the there is a thinner. Um, separation between the spiritual and the physical if there's any separation at all mm-hmm. um anyway what, yeah, well, what's, I, what's I your thoughts a, on that uh, well I, yeah i mean <laughs> i think if we're more open to the spiritual realm i yeah. think you know i think there's the you and i have listened to a podcast 
<laughs> you know, it's about the yeah. the, the, the uh, a Catholic priest who's done yeah. done these exorcisms, and it's and I, I recommend it to you because I'm like, you know, there, here's an example of someone, and it, it's it's almost the matter of fact way that he talks about it. Well, you know, there's demons, you know. Sure, there's. Well, I, and, I, I see them every day. Yeah. You know? Well, you and I have talked about this. Like, uh, we had read a book, and it was like, you know, we, it used to be everyone relied on the spiritual yeah. realm for prosperity in some ways. But yeah. it's like, you know, as technology has taken over, well, we don't need God to provide for our crops. Right. We've got irrigation systems, and we've got all this. Like, we've mastered the physical world, and we don't yeah. need the spiritual world any, anymore. And it's just kind of going, well, maybe. No, the spiritual world is still active and present. We've just found yeah. ways to ignore it or try to pretend we're ignoring it. We say we've it. mastered until all goes pear-shaped, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, so I just think it's interesting to think about that, yeah. that as we, you know, you're talking about in Haiti where there are people mm. that are actively participate, you know, like it's, it's right. a belief, they understand it, and then there's a participation in it in either the spirit of the Antichrist or yeah. spirit of, of Christ there. Before we, before people start thinking we're too crazy, I'm going to ask this question. Let's let's bring it back to Ooh. Earth just a, just a little bit. Okay. What what are we doing? Presumably, most of us, if we're Christians, we pray. What are we doing when we pray? I mean, how would you describe that activity? Is it do do we expect anything to happen when we pray? We're asking. Uh, there are times we pray that we ask that the spiritual realm intercede in the physical realm. Uh, I mean, I think that's almost all we're doing when we pray, right? Uh, so one of the things we've been praying for for quite a while in our congregation now is peace in Ukraine. Um, what do we think? <laughs> what do we think that means, mm -hmm. right? We're asking, you know, God to to in whatever way intervene in that situation to bring peace. And one of the things I pray for is that, uh, is that the leaders of the nations that are involved there will seek wisdom from him. Uh, and, and so we're, we're calling on the spiritual realm <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, to, to intercede with the, with the physical, um, which, you know, here's the other thing you start thinking about, well, that may even be the more real, you know, <laughs> Which is a way you know C.S. Lewis often describes it, um, but but the other I, I guess the other thing is when we ask someone when we when we ask God to heal someone. Uh, now there there are different ways we we do that. I, I sometimes will pray for an effective treatment. That's probably my Western background, right? Right. But there are other times where, like like you said, we think we've mastered the physical universe, but then there are points where it's beyond that, mm -hmm. and we pray for. Um, you know, whatever you want to call that, if you want to call it a miracle or if you want to call it, um, you know, divine providence. But we, if we are speaking those words, it seems that we are, unless we're just kind of we're going through these. for some kind of intervention. Unless we're just going through the motions, right? Unless this has just become rote, meaningless words, mm -hmm. we are asking for, yeah, divine intervention. And so if we believe in prayer, <laughs> Which mm -hmm. I mean, we may we may or we may not. I mean, it's something we maybe we need to think about our you know in, in ourselves. And then I guess the other question I would see is, do you believe? Here's my this is my further follow up question, and not just for you, Ryan, but for all of our listeners, I would say this: Do you believe that you have ever experienced answered prayer? 
you know. And uh, if if you have, <laughs> then you know. And again, not just oh, it just happened to be that we asked for the thing that ended up happening circumstantially, right? Uh, but I do. Th- I think we fall into this. I, I use this as a sermon illustration sometimes. I remember very specifically. I'm not going to mention the thing, but this is years ago. This is when Josanne and I were still a young married couple, which was you know maybe 150 years ago or so. And uh, and, and there was a very specific situation that we were intently praying for, and, and it was it was difficult. It was it was one of these you know things that was wearing on us. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And, and, and a few weeks later, I happened to be saying something we were talking about. And I said, I said, Oh, isn't it, isn't it weird the way that that just worked out? And Joe Sand looked at me and like, what do you mean? It just worked out. We were praying <laughs> for weeks for that to, to, to be resolved. And it was, you know, and yeah. you're basically saying, "Oh, look at the cir- quote unquote circumstance." That that's a Western. That's that's me falling into the Western pattern of of thinking. Well, that's just how it happened, uh, rather than believing that God can intervene and make a difference in the universe. So, yeah, that's tough. I mean, I I, I find myself defaulting to that yeah. sometimes, or I've prayed for something and. It, you know, it's easy. Like, oh, isn't it weird? How, you almost forget yeah. that you prayed about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's where I was, was, and and, you know, took took my wife kind of giving me a little bit of a kick and a shove to say, "Wait a minute, you know, you and and, (laughs) you know, of all the things that we call the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that's probably that's probably getting up there where we're basically attributing to simply natural natural causes, right, to chance what we we have asked for is divine intervention. So that's something to think about, and. We kind of went down a path there. You know, our friend Chad Ragsdale, you know, that's that's basically the the um, article that I think, think he wrote the blog post. I think we've linked it already in a previous uh, episode where he he's basically saying, yeah, he falls into that where we're basically our, if we don't believe that the spiritual realm has any effect upon the physical, then why do we pray? I guess is, is the whole question. What are we even doing mm-hmm. uh, in, in that? And and don't get me wrong. There, there are other ways that the prayer affects us other than just, you know, it's not, a, it, it, we don't want to make it a, a, a genie rubbing a, yeah, rub, rubbing a lamp and asking the genie for three wishes or something. But, but, you know, we, and we do trust the creator of the universe that when things do not go the way that we want them to, that, that it may still be for our good, right? There, there may be good that comes as well. There will be good that comes as a result of this if we place our trust in him in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that he always does exactly what we ask. Right. Uh, as well, he shouldn't because he knows better than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Just, yep. just a little. That's good. Little that was good. Thought. No, but that, I think that's good. I mean, I think it's interesting how John has written has written this and the testing right. of the spirits and like that. It's it's something for us to be cognizant of. Well, is that yeah. the spiritual realm is is Very everywhere real. and it's not. It, you know, we we talk about the Holy Spirit because <laughs> that's the side we're talking about. But sure. there's the the other side of that as well. Right. Look, look. Let me read just these last three verses, verses four through six. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now think about that. The one who is in us is is a reference to this idea of the spirit that he gave us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so who, who is the one that's in the world? I, when I was preaching on this the other day, I said it's not an accident 
that you know Paul doesn't just again through the through the prompting of the Holy Spirit Paul doesn't simply say things like the God of this age. <laughs> He's not just going to randomly use the word God to refer to the one who is deceiving and and who is you know so hmm. so the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Interesting that in the NIV, the spirit of truth is capitalized and spirit of falsehood is not, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So we understand the spirit of truth to be the divine Holy Spirit and the spirit of falsehood you know, I don't think we're just talking about, you know, kind of the, the you know, we're not talking of, about just like, oh, like that's false. We're talking about like an actual the deceiver, the, the deceiver. one who the one who deceives. And and again, these are not equal and opposite. You know, we're not talking about, you know, Satan somehow being uh, e- e- equally equal. omnipotent to God. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, that if, if you're thinking that you've got the wrong worldview as well. But but it is it is that he is opposed to. And he is opposite from the things that God is is promoting and for and trying to do in the world, or not trying to do, but doing in the world. Uh, here's a couple of other uh, passages. First is uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Um, that's the last one. Since we're here in chapter 4, that's the last one. And it talks about this idea of the test of the Spirit, again, is where we are. And this is the one I've added, by the way, because <laughs> I'll tell you how, how this happened. You know, I color-coded all those other tests, uh, and we talked about that the very first episode. It's linked in uh, the we, pod show notes, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That if you want to look at that. And and so I color-coded all those, and there was all these blank spaces. And I'm like, well, what? What, what is this? And it's, it was the spirit. I mean, look at verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. So this is the way that God lives in us. Uh, and I always say in us and among us, the, the spirit of God indwells us and the spirit of God also lives within us as a community. Um, this is Peter, you know, saying we are a spiritual house uh, being built together and the spirit of God lives lives. Among us uh, is the other way we might say this. Okay, back to chapter two, and we'll finish finish this up. Um, the first passage here is eighteen through twenty. That's about the spirit. Um, let me let me go ahead and read this again. I'm kind of on a roll now. So, yeah, go for it. dear <laughs> dear children, this is the last hour. I always find it interesting. You know, I I always talk about Paul uses the term last days, and John says the last hour. You know, this is this is the final climactic act in God's redemptive plan. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the last hour, and as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists, so so plural there, have come. Uh, this is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed us that none of them belonged to us. Um, but you have, verse 20, an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. So here's the difference between those false teachers that have gone out. Uh, you know, Even though they may have started as a part of the community, they have left the fold, so to speak. They have gone out from us. But the anointing that we have from the Holy Spirit, again, there's lots of different people that think this is different things. Uh, I think this is the way that the, the Spirit of God works in us so that we are 
we're sanctified in in the truth. That's what Paul says, uh, or I'm sorry, Jesus says about his disciples that they may be sanctified in the truth. So, so that is the Spirit of God is setting them apart, setting us apart, so that we know what is true. Um, and, and so, this is again a, a way that we can we can have confidence uh, in our faith. The last last things we'll talk about then is verses 24 through 27. Okay. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Uh, I'm writing these things uh, these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. So this anointing, the idea of the Holy Spirit, the idea of the one remaining in you. You do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So don't don't leave the things that you have been given. Don't leave these things that are from the beginning. Uh, there's value in them. They're, they're part of this anointing. I, interesting, you also see the Trinitarian language there where, where the Father and, and the Son and, and the one who's in us uh, kind of brings us into this into this all, divine all life thing together yeah yeah hmm. so because right after that verse 20 in chapter 2 the, the anointing of the holy one we get into the you do not know the truth because you uh, do not know it and because no life from the truth it, we get into the trinitarian right there again yeah. which jesus uh uh and denying the father and the son like we, yes. we get them all there together right yep i, I, th- I think right. this is I'm really glad we went through this. You know, I think okay. this is really a very, uh, I mean, it was in a very important book in the day. And I, I'm just thinking yeah. through all the, all of these things, these tests and the importance of the testing yeah. um, and the importance of evaluating. And, and I think it's, you know, I'm thinking again, just kind of going, what what's going on in our world and, yeah. and so forth. Talking about those, those who started with us. But then left us and like, you know, there's even the appearance. They have this appearance of being with you. And and they're they're not. They're leading you astray. There's these things that do today in the same way that cause us to question. Is this right then? You know, it seems like there's a lot of people who are saying something different than what we have learned from the beginning, what we've been taught. Maybe we're wrong. You know, this is this is the kind of thing that First John has really written to combat is is to to give confidence. Um, you know, not, you know, again, to, not to quote Paul, but to say, uh, I am quoting Paul, where he says, you know, we we grow into maturity where we're not we're not um, blown back and forth by every uh, wind of doctrine uh, or what, what we looked at in the passage I looked at in Colossians last week, where it talks about don't let anyone take you uh, captive through hollow and deceptive. Um, uh, philosophies, you know, that this kind of teaching. Um, so, so yeah, there's this constant warning. I, I've said before, and I'll probably will say it again, because it's worth saying that there's a way in which we can look at all of scripture and, and even up all of the history of the universe as a, as a conflict for lack of a better term between truth and falsehood. Uh, you know, that's, that's what, is the is the cause of the fall in the beginning is this questioning of God's revelation. I just saw, you know, this I'd seen this meme before, but just today it came across again uh, on social media, this this idea that uh, you know Satan in the beginning didn't tempt Adam and Eve to lie, didn't tempt him to, to do these other things, tempted them 
first by questioning the Word of God, questioning what God had really said. Uh, and so that's why I think it's so important for us to be in the Word and to, um, you know, again, in humility, allow the Spirit of God to testify to the truth in us. And, and uh, you know, there are things sometimes we, we may need to question and reject, but there are, there are those truths that we also need to hold on to. Not, <laughs> you know, it, it, the world, quote unquote, the society should not. Uh, cause us to question those truths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's an idea of us reexamining and, and reaffirming the things that we we have believed. And so, anyway. Well, so last, uh, this is on, on Sunday, which yeah. is just yesterday for us, for everyone. It was Sunday yesterday for everyone, maybe, depending on where you're in the world. Unless you're in China. I anyway. Don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So yesterday sent a uh, preaching through Exodus, and it was the, the um, Moses uh, is getting the Ten Commandments, yeah. and, and you know, and, uh-huh. and Aaron's down with the people. And I, I, I just hadn't read uh, seen this before. Right. Talking about they'd made this golden calf, and after yeah. the golden calf, in a minute, he said, "Tomorrow there will be a festival to Yahweh." Yeah. And I thought, wait, they're making this golden calf, <laughs> but then they're also celebrating. Yahweh. Right. And I thought it's this, we've talked about this before, this kind of this syncretism, like it's this idea of taking God and it's like these other ideas started to seep in. And I started thinking, you know, and as we read today, like there were those who started to belong with you and then they started letting those other ideas sneak in again. It's this, and as you kind of talked about, it's kind of the same story repeatedly. It is. And we get into the book of Revelation where God is saying, you know, he's going to these churches. I, you know, you have done these things well, but there's this this thing, you yeah. know what I mean, like in, in part of these places where it's it's a it's a blend, it's taking in the world a little bit, yeah. uh, and it's this kind of. I, I was just reading that where it was we're we're going to worship Yahweh, but it's going to be with this golden calf, right? And kind of going again, like we we have to have the, these <clears throat> tests are so important, and we have to be ready to test them to kind of go wait. Right. I'm, I'm worshiping yeah. Yahweh with an I well that that doesn't that doesn't make doesn't sense. Compute, and so yeah. now well, that, what that those might first seem two, obvious. What were those first two commands? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, no graven image and no other God before me. Yeah. And so, you know, it's for us, it's that same thing. It's, yeah, we may not have a golden calf in front of us that's luring us away. We may right. not live in that, and we're not in that system, but kind of going, what else are we... There are these the spirit the the spirit of the antichrist is out there. There are many antichrists right. out there that are against the, against Christ. And are we ability and do we have are we honing ourselves to be able to test yeah. those messages and be part of it? Yeah, even there, you know, it, it was they were wanting. It was, it was, you know, their, their, their felt needs, right? Yeah. I, I, we need, we need a God, you know, the, where's this Moses dude? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gone up on the mountain. He may never come back, you know? Right. Uh, and, and it's the same in the garden too. You know, it is appealing to that idea of we're going to make the rules. We're going to be the ones who set mm-hmm. the agenda, uh, rather than trusting in the one who created the universe to be the one who says this is this is what is truth and this is what is falsehood. Right. Um, it doesn't and, seem and right we can't have that fruit. It doesn't seem right that we don't have a leader right now. <laughs> exactly, and that's 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 my point is is that it it comes down to us. Uh, you know, are we going to trust God? Are we going to try to usurp the authority? And that's that's not you know I know that that seems very simplistic, but. That's really what it comes down to, you know, and, and the falsehood is saying, 
well, we better do something about this because this God guy, I don't know if he's got this under control, you know, maybe, maybe I do a little bit better job, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if, 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 uh, you know, if I was in control and, uh, so anyway, yeah, but well, this is, I, I thought it was a fantastic, good, a fantastic good. book. Hope, and hope I, think, I hope it's I hope encouraging it's for people that, you know, I think it was really good to, you know, and again, I'll link it again, um, this week on the show notes to have though, that, those sections kind of yeah. outline the test of belief, the test of the spirit of, of righteousness and love to see those themes continue to come out where John is laying out like, Hey, here's how, you know, he, who belongs right to Christ and who does not, who, who is part of the fold and who's not. Yeah. And that we need to be always aware of that and, and to right. be on our guard. And so yeah. I think it's, I think it's a great message for any age. You know, I think it's, um, but I, you know, I'm living in this one and I think exactly. it's especially and, relevant. And that, <laughs> well, and we, we believe the word of God is, is powerful and, and is effective, you know, for, for helping us to live righteously in this, in this age. So, yeah. Yep. Well, Brian, thanks so much for, uh, taking us deep into well, first John here. Oh, not about deep, but we, we at least, uh, scratch the surface. <laughs> it is a, it is a good book though. And, and it would repay much more study as well. I would encourage people to spend some time in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thanks so much. Uh, and just a reminder to our listeners, we will be off next week, which is yep. 4th of July. Uh, Brian, what are you doing it, for the 4th of July? What am I, I am traveling back from Branson, Missouri. So <laughs> there are a few places in the United States that are more appropriate to celebrate the 4th of July weekend <laughs> than Branson, then Branson, Missouri. Missouri. I am going to get my Missouri. I'm going to get my shows on. I'm just kidding. I don't do any of that. You don't but, do the uh, shows in Branson? No. You just go to the amusement park there? I go to the amusement park, which is fantastic. I just you said, what is it? Gold, Gold Rush City? What's it called? Silver Gold, Dollar City. Silver Dollar City. It is the hidden jewel of the Ozarks as far in, as amusement parks. In the middle of, in middle of America. Okay. In middle of America. Been. And it's closing. Is that, or no, there's one of the coasters. No, that's it's not closing. There's one of the roller coasters that's been there since like the 70s is closing. And so yeah. it was a part of you my know, childhood. Ryan, I got to get while, back to it. While you're down there, why, oh don't you talk, why don't you talk to Silver Dollar City about becoming a show sponsor? You know what? I might. I will. They have a little okay. chapel there, a little church service. And I'll just say like, hey, I know this is built out of wood and it's supposed to be in the 1800s, <laughs> but have you thought about sponsoring a podcast? So I think... I don't. I don't think that it could be a mess there. Yeah. Say hi to say, say hi to all those in Branson who love me, Ray Stevens. I'll Ray say, Stevens. Hi, to say Ray hi to Ray Stevens. Stevens. Ray Stevens for you. All right, Brian. And, well, and, thanks and so much. We'll talk about the the, the 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 theological significance of the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. <laughs> That's right. Well, Brian, I will see you in two weeks. All right. We, all right I think take, we need. I think we need a week off. We need a week off. All right. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.